Welcome to Subscriptions for Authors. Meet your co-hosts, Michael Evans, sci-fi thriller author of a dozen novels, and Amelia Rose, a semi-romance author that makes six figures per year in subscriptions. Together, we will help you make more money with subscriptions and succeed in the future of publishing. This is how Willow Winters built a book box empire. And no, that, that word is the only accurate word to describe just the magnitude of what she and her team have accomplished. Hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok. So many book boxes sold that she had to stop selling them. She's going to open back up, but only when, and probably at the time this podcast goes live, the warehouse will already be up. She has her own warehouse with her team working in it to fulfill the number of book box orders they're getting because if she didn't have the warehouse, it was gonna basically take over her and her team's homes. Incredible stuff. People are loving these book boxes and people are loving her books. She has a subscription with well over 500 members, paid members at the time of this recording, who are there for early access bonus scenes, some art that they're getting. It's just incredible. She's built a true subscription empire. And Willow Winters is an incredibly well-selling scene romance author who just has an incredible mindset, who has so much incredible insights for us and really shows us the inside of how she's been able to grow, what she's been doing, how she's been able to scale her subscription. And on top of it all, it's just a really amazing person. I'm so excited for this episode. So excited for this episode. Willow has one of the most impressive subscriptions, some of the best branding, some of the best marketing out there. So we're going to learn a lot from her. But before we get into it, I just want to mention that if you haven't yet checked out Reem, Reem is a subscription platform by fiction authors for fiction authors. Me and Amelia Long with Sean Patton, who created it to be tailor-made to help save you time as an author, to help bring your community of readers closer together, and to help you make more money from subscriptions. So if you want to check out Reem, I'd love to see you there. We already have a ton of authors succeeding on the platform. In fact, over 2,000 are now on Reem. You can check out the link in the description below. Otherwise, when I get started, this episode with Willow is going to be so much fun. everyone we have willow winters with us today an icon in publishing i i swear you're too sweet thank you for having me yes (laughs) it's so great to have you here you are doing so many really cool things but i want to start with titleist podcast subscriptions for authors a place and a platform a lot of us have subscriptions on is patreon and you have a patreon so i want to start by asking you about that because i know you have like by looking at your patreon first of all it's an awesome patreon it's very successful thank you but you also seem to have two different levels of benefits, a lot of digital mm-hmm. stuff they can get. And then of course, the physical books that they're getting to the higher tiers. So maybe walk me through before even what your subscription is, when and why you started it. Absolutely. I knew that I wanted to get on to Patreon just in general, because I wanted a platform for readers to purchase my, not really purchasing my books. They just get my books, my audiobooks, my eBooks. And it's something that I can be in control of. And it's not something that they're going to get if Amazon decides to change an algorithm. Like Patreon itself gave me more control in that aspect. And I'm very, I keep thinking the word transparent. That's not the word that I want to use. I'm very available in terms of my eBooks, in terms of my paperbacks. I have a shop 100 100% of the time, I have my ebooks on digital libraries. I really like to make myself accessible to readers. So I knew that I wanted to be on Patreon. It would help me and it would provide that aspect for them. My books, though, like physical copies, they can get them at any point, anywhere. The only books that they can't, it's the Decadent Collector's Editions, which are massive. They take a lot of time to do. So those are Kickstarter only. So I sat there thinking, these readers really care. They really care. They're talking to me constantly. I was actually surprised how many messages that I get on there and how many comments because the follower count on Patreon is much smaller compared to a half a million on TikTok and a hundred thousand on Instagram. Like my Patreon's not that big. I was just thinking one night and I always like to create things that I want 
And I figure like a lot of my audience is just like me. So if I like it, they'll probably like it. And I was staring at my discrete series and I was so mad that the edges were just plain. And I asked my husband, I said, how hard would it be? And he was like, for one, it'd be easy. And I was like, great, let's do it and see if anybody wants one. And that's how that kind of manifested itself into being what it is now. And I'm, we're only, I think, seven books in now. And it's already looking so pretty. And yeah, it's one a month. We're doing it little by little, but it's so pretty. I love it. Oh, that's so smart. I love it. And you mentioned actually, first of all, I, I love how you're like, just casually, like 500,000 on, on, on TikTok. Which <laughs> yeah. I love your TikTok. And we're definitely going to talk a bit about that. But I am curious about you had Kickstars, which you've now had four very mm -hmm. successful funded campaigns there. You also have your direct store, which we're going to talk about your book boxes and how they've mm -hmm. expanded into something really awesome. But you have your direct store too. And then you have your Patreon. And they're all doing really well at a level that a lot of authors would be like, wow. But you have them all serving separate or at least different areas. How, how do you manage that all? Like, where does the Kickstarter sit in your author ecosystem versus the Patreon and versus your direct store? How does that all work together? So I see Patreon and Kickstarter almost as luxury items. As a reader years ago, before I started writing, I would have loved to hit like on a post and that would be all that I could do. They're definitely, they're not the run of the mill. They take a lot of time. My husband does the edges of the ones for the Patreon himself. So a lot of love. Awesome. goes into these yeah and the edges on the kickstarter ones are hand sprayed these are yeah these are really they're precious little babies that i wanted to be able to offer because it's something that i wanted even though i know like it's it's different right i want my books to be available for everybody and to be loved by everybody but the price points are crazy so when i did my first kickstarter i didn't even know if anybody would want them which is why i did it on a kickstarter i was like i need to know that the demand is at least there because they're 110 dollars piece. I struggle myself to because I have three children. I try to save resources for investments. So with a personal ooh-la-la item, I had no idea whether or not anybody would even want it. So it sits, those two sort of sit on my, these are for my special days. These are for treating myself. These are very much luxury. And then I break everything else down all the way to the ebooks need to be on digital libraries for the people who um, can't even afford like a subscription for reading platform like Kobo Plus or Kindle Unlimited. They need to have different pieces of the market fit differently and they're different audiences. And sometimes it's a special moment type for the same audience and sometimes it's not. Uh, but I want to be pretty much everywhere. And I, th I think I've got a lot of it covered at this point. I think you are. I think you do have it covered. Not only are you wide, you also sell direct in your site, Kickstarter, Patreon. I, I think you're doing a very good job. One thing, not to totally go on a tangent, but you were talking about accessibility and I saw something that you're doing that's just, I love it, which is the Live a Thousand Lives project. Yes. Very unique. Thank you. As the shop expands these direct sales and I'm bringing on more people, I want to get to a point where I can have a full-time person just dedicated to this. It's a nonprofit charity. We give audio devices to nursing homes and hospitals and retirement facilities for people who are low to no mobility so that so they can awesome. at least listen. Yeah. And they're blue devices. They have the, oh my God, public works. So Alice in Wonderland, Moby Dick, things of that nature. And they've been used in some of the facilities to help with Alzheimer's and to do some kind of memory like 
therapy type, but also just enjoying books and listening to that cadence of somebody speaking to you. It's so healthy in comparison to like watching TV, even though I love watching TV and all that. But we, myself, and then my shop manager, Lauren, we were thinking about this during COVID. Her father just fell, but he was elderly. He fell, hit his head, had a brain bleed. And within a few months, unfortunately, we weren't able to create Live a Thousand Lives or even get a device in hand with all of it. But his just going through what I went through with my grandfather and seeing and who had ALS and seeing that kind of decline and the difficulty of not knowing what to do and wondering if you're doing enough because books are like people to us, these parasocial relationships in his last days. She was struggling because she wanted to be there all the time. And as if he had audiobooks because he wanted to read, but he couldn't even work an iPad anymore. So that's how it came to be on a very personal level. And I'm looking forward to doing more though. I really want to grow it and be worldwide and get even just a little bit of a push to maybe ignite some kind of standard healthcare practice to have audiobooks there. And I would also love to do it for pediatrics because I think that would be very helpful there as well. That is such a cool project. And up to this Thank point, you. you've been able to have anthologies that you've done. Yes. They're mm -hmm. fun, the fun, proceeds fund. Exactly. The... And I'm actually getting ready by the time, I'm not sure when this airs, um, but I'm going to get, I'm doing an anthology. I'm sending out the email actually this week, but it's for Maui because I do love doing charity collections. Yeah. And it's been the last two years since my son has been born have exploded for me in so many ways. So I haven't been able to dedicate as much, but I want a full-time person whose only job is to do these charity anthologies, not just for Live a Thousand Lives, but also for things like disasters, like what's going on in Maui right now. Charity is a passion. It's really easy to write yeah. a check, which I do consistently, but it's a lot of community-driven effort to do the anthologies and to spread that awareness and to keep that positivity and community going. So I just need to do more of that. It fuels my soul. Yeah, you're already you're already doing so much of it, which is so cool. And I love that like you've taken this concept of giving your readers mm -hmm. access to different kinds of experiences. And you're extending that philosophy beyond your own readership and two actually like really interesting ways. One, so you have your own books and libraries, you have then your all these different price points for different levels of experiences that readers can get with you. But you also mm -hmm. have expanded beyond just your own intellectual property because you have for people who really need need to have a more accessible experience through audio. You have the Live a Thousand Lives project, but then you also have your book boxes, yes. which you're focused on. That's much more of a premium experience or actually you have multiple tiers, but it can be a very premium experience. Yes. So the one thing about these boxes is that they grew to life on TikTok, as did my yeah. discrete series. And on TikTok, you hit this very large audience, whereas on Facebook and Instagram, it's what you're cultivating. It grows much slower. They're very tight communities. Whereas on TikTok, if you put in the wrong hashtag, you're audience could be somebody you never wanted them to see, let alone just reaching like a broader audience who might be curious. So on this platform, I discovered the need for discrete covers because so many people are curious and either their culture, their environment, or their ability, or even just their aesthetic, they're, they just didn't like the typical romance books. So I had 50 books at the time. I have 60 now. They all have these discrete books. And I was doing these boxes, these mysteries, and I thought I should add in that option. I should be like, do you want discreet or do you want traditional? And then it was like, people want to try it out, but they also really like being a part of a community, like feeling like they're a part of a community. There are Harry Potter fans who don't even read the books, but they love the environment of being this wizard and being included in this movement of magic, even though I have my own opinions on the author herself. But just throwing that out there to make that 
very clear, but it's about the the community and being a part of it. So I was like, let me include some some items where, you know, even if you haven't read a book in 10 years, you still want to be a book lover. You want to be a part of this. And then maybe you'll try out the books. So I tried to make it so that my own readers would love and would appreciate what's in it. But somebody who has literally never even read a romance book, they might want to get this box because it's a surprise. People like surprises. It will it opens up an invitation of, am I going to enjoy this? If not, I did get a cool mug. Yeah. No, that's, it's, it's such an interesting idea. And before we get into like the growth of your book box and where that's gone, because it's really interesting. I TikTok 500,000 yes. followers. And you don't just wake <laughs> up with that. Talk to me about that journey because I know you've yeah. had multiple very viral videos, but yes. so what was that like? So I actually prefer TikTok for my viral videos compared to Instagram or YouTube. People are like really mad on YouTube with some of mine. Like I had, I make a joke on TikTok, people get the joke, right? And it, it tends to stay on the right algorithm. On YouTube, not so much. Like I had a book that accidentally had the Bible printed in it and it was a BDSM sex club auction book. That's funny. There were a lot of very angry men at me on YouTube. <laughs> they were like <laughs> oh, no. so mad because it went viral everywhere. But yeah, I have a lot of friends and years ago, ago, I told them to get onto TikTok. I was like, there's something here. My niece got me on it. She was 13 at the time. And I was like, this is silly. And then I discovered book talk. And at the time, smut talk didn't really exist yet. It was a lot of fantasy readers. And I had All He'll Ever Be, which has a rose on the cover, Beauty and the Beast inspired. And I was like, I could just show off my book. And as book talk and smut talk evolved, I just made sure, and this is what I tell authors all the time, Scream out as much as you can. Be as loud as you can. Is everybody going to like it? No. But how are people going to find you if you're quiet? So I embrace exactly what I am, what I want, what I have. I celebrate it to its fullest. I'm not a make yourself small kind of person. I'm like, be who you are. You're going to find your people. And the only way to find them is to be loud. So I have a lot of fun with TikTok. I try to just be myself and be really transparent. And I do think that like my magic is in my writing. And that's how I'm going to make a difference in the world is by writing these books and by getting them into as many people's hands as possible, even though it might not be for everybody. But as long as I can remove as many barriers as possible and reach as many people as possible, I feel like I'm doing what I'm here on earth to do basically love your purpose is a lot of that i really resonate with and that's i think why in our community have the saying storytellers of the world because you have the power to totally change the world with your stories but i am curious through your learnings on tiktok posting now hundreds of videos what would be some of the takeaways you've learned about creating a great tiktok especially telling an author who's maybe just looking to get started on tiktok now first of all i'll say it's not too late to get started on tiktok for sure never yeah never yeah so how would you get started though? Enjoy it. Number one, you've got, at the time when I first started and I tried to get authors on, they said they were annoyed by it, that they didn't get it. And I understand it was a new platform. I mean, when Instagram came out, I thought it was for taking pictures of food, right? And then we figure out Instagram, we get Bookstagram and it was wonderful. And I told them, just find find what you like about it. There are authors who do dances and put the, the little bits of their book at the top of the screen in captions, but they enjoy doing the dances. There are authors who like the audio so they just do funny little audios and match it up to their books and they figure out a way to use what they like on the platform in order to market i love marketing i think that is my that is my superpower in this industry is i really love the idea of how do i get this into somebody's hands how, like how do i let them know you're going to love this is going to make a difference you're going to love it and reach the right 
people and do this effectively while also having fun so that when I wake up the next day, I'm excited to go do it. And with TikTok, I was very excited. Every day I would tell my husband, I'm like, today's the day it's going to go viral. And he would say, spoiler alert, you're going to get a hundred views. <laughs> I was like, you're wrong. So as soon as it went by now, he likes it in there a little bit. Like he likes occasionally being in a TikTok, but he's the grump to my sunshine. He also happens to like hate social media. He not only doesn't have TikTok, but he also doesn't have Instagram and he only uses Facebook to show like pictures of the kids to family. So he's like a complete opposite to me. Whereas I'm like, let's have therapy time on show the whole world with no completely different. I don't even know. Did I even answer your question? You definitely did. Okay, good. (laughs) To keep it fun and enjoyable is so key. And I think that's something that sticks through in your marketing is it doesn't actually feel like marketing fully. Exactly. Talk to a friend because my friends are what got me into writing or reading and then writing romance. My friend Natalie read Fifty Shades of Grey. I had no idea because I was a workaholic at the time and I had actually just left the graduate program. So it was very low down and then I got jury duty and she was like, here, you should read this book. So I read my first smut novel in public. That's awesome. Yeah. But I'm like, this is so I, I just, and I read it because of her. She, I trusted her so much. I'm like, I want to be that person for readers who are like going to, and I've, I have introduced explicit romance novels to a lot of people who have then come to signings and told me you were my first. I like to be the Natalie to other people. Like I, it's, it sticks with you and it's a great feeling and falling in love is wonderful. So it's easy to market that because A, I believe it and I've lived it and B, I think it just makes people happy happy. So yeah, but there are some negatives of being in the public eye and having this huge audience and the ability to reach new people. And that is why the block and delete button are so very important. Mental health matters. (laughs) Block and delete and you keep doing you. Yeah. As long as you're not an ex, you can block and delete people. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is important. And I think one important thing to always keep in mind is to keep the passion that brought you to it, core to it. But also another thing that you've kept talking about and that I believe and Amelia believes is so important is building a community of your readers, is being able to bring them together. But I know before this podcast, we're talking a little bit about just the idea of scaling, which we'll return to to that Mm -hmm. theme. But scaling your community, it's one thing to be on a platform. You're talking like Instagram tends to be more of an intimate platform and it is, but you look, you have 100,000 followers on Instagram, which is awesome. But how are you able to build a community when you have a scale of a readership that is, you can't be DMing. 100,000 readers. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. I actually do keep up with my messages on Instagram, but I don't keep up with my comments on platforms. They just came out with messages on TikTok for message requests. I haven't touched it. I'm like, I just can't because I don't have the time. But that's where I think we have these parasocial relationships with books, but we also have them with people on social media. And so I do my best to keep up with messages, but I can't always with comments. And I do have people on my team who do. My Sophie, she's been with me for seven years. She lives in the UK. And we used to pass the torch as I'm getting ready for bed. She's waking up because I would be up to 2 a.m. writing and we would update each other. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. And I did these, you do those. And people know Sophie now because she comments so much. She picks all the winners. And that's a part, I think, of the community too, is that they know who's on my team and who's doing what. And I've also seen like other readers will answer questions on my posts. Like if I don't get to it in time and I'm scrolling, readers who I 
recognize some of their names, sometimes I don't, will answer the questions. And it's, I think when you build your community like that, they echo what you do and they want to be, all of us have different love languages and some of them are acts of service, like mine is acts of service. So I think that they enjoy it and I'm just grateful for it. And so I just practice gratitude. I just do as much as I can. And if I can't, I'm very transparent. Or if something is running behind or delayed or the good and the bad. So that way, even though it's a parasocial relationship, I'm still here as my true self and they can see it. And if they want to join this community and add to it, they're probably going to add aspects that I'm the one that I'm giving. Like I'm, I try to set that example, if that makes sense. Makes total sense. And it reminded me actually of an article I was reading recently about the, because I found it so fascinating how she scaled her community, but she is the fastest growing and now highest earning creator on OnlyFans. And she has a whole team that helps out with her comments and how she's been able to do it all is by making people feel involved in the process and feel cared for and giving all of her is subscribers. Is that Amelia? Yeah, not, not, no, not this not, Amelia. Not you. It's what <laughs> her name is. Sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> Yeah. Yes, you're right about who you're talking about. Uh, We're friends on TikTok, I think. The Amelia oh, that's... on Only. Yeah, because I went to go. I'm also on OnlyFans. I barely post. I just post explicit content up. But yeah, I like. I love it also because that's that positive energy. I'm also huge for a OnlyFans isn't just for sex work, but I am huge for like positive sex work and safe environments, yeah. which our laws do not create at all. Like they actively no. work against that. So I happen to love OnlyFans, and yeah, I think what she has done is amazing. And that's what it is. If you have love for what you're doing and you love the people who are part of it they're going to a love what you're doing and want to be a part of it and want to do what you're doing and contribute to those vibes that you're creating so yeah i love that yeah, yeah. and she also does something similar to you too which is she has her team answer a lot of the comments yes um, at this yeah. point multiple full-time people but she's open she a lot of times there's in the world of subscriptions the most successful like specific vertical would be only fans and they've yeah. they have actually specific only fans agencies who manage people's content and manage their accounts and take sometimes absolutely exorbitant fees it can be yeah that i won't go down that rabbit hole but I, what i will say though is that a lot of times these agencies manage accounts pretty disingenuously where they'll take over the dms as if they're the creator and yeah, people and can tell that 100%. she has her team act as her team yeah somebody actually messaged me on instagram and i answered it was like 1 a.m. and I was like in my pajamas I looked her up and she was like is this actually you and I took a selfie like looking like ragged as could be <laughs> and she was like oh my god I was like yeah this is me I think that if you're just transparent people yeah. don't mind if your team is responding but when you're not transparent that is when everything goes downhill I had an author a few years ago ask me he was a guy and he said should I play like the rug should I pretend like I'm my here and I was like no be yourself because he's a cool guy he's that was like I just don't know what he's also a, a man in a predominantly woman focused field and I was like just be you you're fine as you are I was like when you start playing a part it will unravel and then it's not authentic and people are going to feel fooled. People don't like to feel like they were wrong about you. That is the worst of the worst because in a lot of these systems, it's almost like picking a team you're for or against. And the moment that somebody feels fooled, now you're an enemy. It wasn't just that you wanted to have fun and play a part or what you felt. It, it becomes a betrayal. That's an aspect of social media that's also, it can be very rough. <laughs> it can be very rough for people. I've seen an author who I think she was trying to be funny and it came 
off really arrogant and she was torn to shreds. I don't know her. I've got no skin skin in the game, but I was just like, damn, if only she didn't, if only she wasn't trying to, she was a tryhard in my opinion. Sorry. Now we're like, now we're detouring down to gossip lane. And I don't even have <laughs> wine. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, that's funny. No, I totally understand what you're saying. I think a lot of times we look to other people in the CUNY to get inspiration for how we should do things. And that can be good, except you shouldn't actually be someone else because that's exactly not ever the answer. Yes. You're worthy as you are. Like you're here for a reason and people want to see you. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And one thing you were mentioning, because I actually did not know you have an OnlyFans account. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna explore that, but just to I check out I probably haven't put posted in six months. I occasionally post like sexy snippets or like model photos. And fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It is. You've also done many different mediums though. And web comics was something you did too. Yes, still I'm do. still on. Yes. Yeah. Talk, talk to us about that. It's so slow going, but I personally love art. I spend way too much of my budget on art, like fan art on inserts and overlays, and I'm doing artist renditions. And I just, I also love bringing new artists into the community because I feel like that aspect is really growing. And I, it's a positive all the way around for readers, mm -hmm. for authors, for artists. So with the comic, my younger sister, she's 14 and she loves manga. And um, before she got into manga, it was comics though. And this is three years ago. I'm still working on one book from two years years ago maybe not three and all he'll ever be is my book baby I love it I want it to be a video game I want it to be a tv show I want it to be everything and I went to my agent because I was like I, I want this to be a comic not that I'm gonna let my 14 year old sister 12 at the time read it that's not gonna happen and they said the demand and selling blah 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 because it's at the time it wasn't I still think that it needs to grow more more romance books should be made into manga especially given a lot of the explicit nature of it uh, but I was like okay I'll do it myself then so I reached out and I found an artist I loved her style there were a few of them and I really loved her work and she loved the book we like we played around with it my husband was writing the script for it because obviously she doesn't read these chapters and then make the art. She reads a script that has like direction and then she'll show me a sketch and dialogue is chosen and such. He got to the tub scene in All He'll Ever Be, which is very dubious. Although there is like a lift your hand. If you, he says, if you, if you stop gripping the edge of the tub, then I'll stop basically. But it's still very much dubious. And Sean came down from actually this office sitting right where I am right now, came down to the kitchen and he said, I love you so much, but I cannot do this. It was like, I, I feel wrong in ways that I should not. So I did end up hiring um, somebody who the artist knew in the industry who did script writing. So I have somebody who I pay. He, he does one chapter a month and he's way ahead of her because she can't keep up and do all of that art more than than what she's currently doing. And each of my chapters is actually multiple chapters in a comic book. But we are almost done Merciless. And it is on um, webcomics, it's on webtoons, it's on, it was on Amazon when they had, they purchased. Comixology, right? Thank you. Yes. Comixology. Yeah. Yes. So I've seen that change as well, even though I'm not um, as well-versed in it. All I know is that I want to be in it and it takes a lot of time and it's been a huge investment and we are so close to having the first one done. And then I'm going to do like a big anthology of it, like the Lore Olympus and Sin City. That's probably my favorite. One of my favorite movies is Sin City and it's because of the comic aspect. And I have the special edition version with all the art sketches in the back. So I'm going to do that as well when I finally put book one of All He'll Ever Be, which is Merciless and fully have it as a comic. Yeah. It's exciting. It's my, it's a pet project, basically. I love it. I just, I think that the industry could totally go there, though. There's a huge market for it that is 
completely yeah. untapped. I, I agree. I actually think it's going to be huge in the next few years. Yeah. It's going to be fun too. It's going to be expensive though. It's yes. So, I'm also doing a comic. I think that's yeah. what I reached out to you for originally. Um, With the and- comic, yeah expensive and it takes a long time especially for the artist it does but it's a lot of fun and that's i share that with my patreon as well and in my news like especially the little explicit parts for webtoons and comiXology you couldn't have that not safe for work art i had the artist make alternative scenes so that the images are more explicit and i can share that on patreon yeah that's awesome extra fun with blush yeah (laughs) yeah have you seen that be like a good growth driver for your subscription the not for safe work patreon art. yes yeah. absolutely Good. even though it becomes difficult like only fans to promote like one of the things so even though i barely post i'm in the subreddit for only fans because i i love getting into the nitty-gritty and the dirty details of everything my favorite pastime is looking at scandals and then seeing are there instagram comments on like how are they handling this where is their pr so i, I look at all of the fire meltdowns on the OnlyFans subreddit. You must have saw Fan House. I didn't. Is this recent? So I have have... to look at it. Okay. I thank you for that. It's called Fan House. I will. I will check it out. Yeah. And I have tea on that. That behind the scenes. That's hilarious. So this is excellent. (laughs) (laughs) We got to get wine after this. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But yeah. So oh goodness, it was something about OnlyFans. Oh. Yes, so many of the very high-selling OnlyFans individuals, as well as Patreon and authors within it, when you get your social media shut down, which happens very frequently, and I almost got my account banned. My It was only at 200000 at the time, but I was like, I'm not going to post any more of this. But that's what happens. And on OnlyFans, you end up losing a lot of revenue just because that's the way that that platform works. For me, I didn't, I'm not going to lose my patrons when I, it was just a matter of not being able to gain any more because it does become difficult. Even Instagram flagged me and Instagram doesn't have an appeal button. So it just, the whole post got taken down and like my reach went from like a million a month to 500,000 instantly. It just cut everything in half and it slapped me pretty hard. I didn't appreciate that. It's not my kink. I don't like being slapped around, but yeah, it definitely did grow my base. It's just, you are struggling in the manner of actually marketing that. And if you can't market it, you can't use it to grow. That is yeah. a really, that's tough. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Yeah. You got to get creative. There are a lot. Uh, Lisiana the One is an artist and she does an excellent job of marketing it well on Instagram in a censored way. I just, between everything that I have, risking not safe for work art to grow the Patreon via the art when there's so much else that I offer too. And then risking harm of my social media accounts for all of my yeah. other business. Yeah, that that scale just, it wasn't in the favor of continuing. So it's been a long time since I've actually shared my not safe for work art on the other platforms. It stays exclusively in the Patreon essentially. Yeah, no, that yeah. makes sense. It's uh, risk reward was not there, but yeah. When it comes to social media and the other businesses, it's helped you propped up in a big way. Your book box business is something that recently I saw that you're moving it to a warehouse. warehouse. Mm -hmm. That's wow. Yeah, with full time. It's fun. It's really fun. And I think that's why it's doing so well. Basically, I had these the subscription boxes, right? And I had leftover merch and I always purchased extra merch so that I could list the items separately in case somebody missed out on a box, they could still get the mug or whatever it was. And my shop grew and my shop grew and my shop grew and I had 2000 items 
in my shop. And books were still the number one bestseller for any authors who are listening. They were always, and they still are the number one bestsellers. But, and even with alternative covers, it's only like 300 of those items are actually books because you have paperback, you have hardback, discrete, the normal collections, things of that nature. And I've written 60 books now, but I'm sitting here with all of this merch and I was looking around and when I, I was taking a bath, I take my baths on Sundays and I just sit and I think, and I was like, what could be like fun? What could I do with this? Cause I love doing the subscription boxes, but I was like, a lot of this is sitting and I don't have the time to market individual items, which is what you have to do basically to sell it. If it's sitting on page 48, nobody's scrolling back there. And then the manpower to rotate these items to the front or to market them. Like it's just, it was a lot of work. And what I loved wasn't being seen. It wasn't resonating. So I was like, how can I do this? So I was like, oh, a mystery box. And I was like, so I'm just in my tub thinking this could be fun. And I voice messaged it to Sophie. And then I text my friend, Lauren. So Sophie's my right hand, my assistant. Lauren actually runs the shop. And I was like, this could be fun. Because at the time I was watching crystal packing videos on TikTok. It was like, that that's my jam. I learn about these crystals and I see them get packed up and it's fun. So I was like, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, that sounds like fun. I did not expect it to blow up like that. And I love that it did. It's been a lot of fun. I like, I don't, I try to hold back right now. I've actually paused my shop because it blew up to such a point that the cash flow then becomes difficult to manage because yeah. I, you have to have things on hand or people are waiting. And we went from being able to ship items purchased that day to, okay, within two weeks to, okay, eight weeks. And then another viral went off and we don't even know which books have been ordered and do we have enough of this? Do we have enough of that? What about the merchandise? Do we have enough of this price point for items? How long are these people going to have to wait? And there were so many questions and it became so messy that I was like, pause, let's pause. <laughs> let's get all these orders out, take an actual inventory and manage this a little bit differently. And then I was like, we're also moving into the warehouse. It'll be perfect. We can set everything up, get everything out, take inventory counts, organize, and then hit it hard again. So I'm like, I was afraid to do a mystery box every single day on my platforms because I was like, we can't sustain this. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't have enough help. I don't have enough room. So I'm really excited for when we go back live again. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I also like to shop. So that part is awesome too. Yeah, no, because you're getting all these incredible bookish goodies and yes. bookish things together. And then providing them and yeah it, the mystery box concept is, is really fun and I'm, I'm curious what with the one thing i'd be curious about when you see like a, a viral video on tiktok is obviously you see conversion to that that first mystery box but are you seeing retention box over box yes yes which is wonderful Good. like we were looking at our numbers i can actually bring them up but i was like you're always upset whenever you have a return or somebody cancels an order and i've had sure. since my website has been built, which I think it's been two years now, this version of it, 32,000 orders and wow. 700 cancels and 400 refunds. So a thousand people versus 32,000 people. And I was like, that is, I think a really good, I'll take that every day. That's yeah. better than my one-star reviews. So yeah, no, yeah, that's so. really good. 
Yeah. So conversion and customer retention is great. I think like I was just looking at all of my statistics because we're pausing and I wanted to look, okay, what can we do to be better and keep a very lean business so that it can function and to delegate as much as I can, like having somebody now my team is excited to also go shopping and pick out so many items every month that are within a certain price range. And we can work on that together, like and make it more fun for my team too, so that they can be included and they can also take it off my plate and we can keep up with the demand because this isn't a one person job anymore. Like we were, yeah. Are you collaborating with brands when you go out shopping? Not yet. Okay. You should check out a a startup called flagship. It's an interesting model, but I think you could, you would have the, you should be doing that. I'm yeah. sure you already want to. I I, I do. And I've looked into certain things um, because it'd be great for co-promotion. Yeah. Yes. And I also love to co-promote with other authors and I'm working on a way to handle that, which is the same thing that we're talking about, just a book rather than an item. But yeah, I'm really excited for everything that's coming. I know that I need to... I have big plans. I have really big plans. I would love to also be like a a fulfillment center for indie authors so that they can have a website and have that available for their readers without the worry of needing to actually package it up themselves and ship it out so they can get the benefit without doing the work. Because that's what holds back a lot of other authors from just doing signed books on their website is that they they don't have the ability to even do it um, or keep up with it or they're concerned about not being able to do it for their readers. So I have, I definitely see a lot of avenues for growth. I just want to make sure that my growing pains are withstandable. So I'm trying to do it and keep that growth from exploding because that is the number one killer of a lot of startups is you, yeah. you can't sustain, you don't have the cash flow or you, you simply can't handle the growth. And I don't want to be that. Yeah, especially for boot, bootstrap startups. That would be the problem. And I, I think that's something too that obviously the success and the specific business you have is like just nothing short of incredible and not something that you, you don't see a lot of this in any author critique. It's really awesome. But I think the idea of scaling too quickly and having things grow really fast is something that a lot of us can relate to because we don't live in the kind of industry for most of us that's 10% growth month over month. Like that sounds right. nice, but it's you're going to see an explosion and then it's going to quiet down and then maybe another explosion and how you handle yourself during these explosions is really key. And I see a lot of authors, like the most common mistake that I've made myself and a lot of other authors do is in, in your context, getting your product and being able to ship it is like actually scaling your team, actually building infrastructure in like a, in a really complicated, but also really useful way. But if you're developing a series that's taking off, if you stop writing that series, <laughs> that's not going to be too good for you either. Yeah. So sometimes taking the time to Maybe it's space out your releases more. Make sure that next book's going to be really great so you're not burning out mm-hmm. is really important too. So I think the fact that you were able to like turn that off a little bit, I'm I'm so proud of you, but it's also oh, takes a ton of confidence you. to be confident yeah. enough that you can go back at it yeah. and get it all again. Because so many people are worried that this is the one feast I'll ever have. Exactly. And what happens if you can't maintain that momentum? And what happens yeah. if blah, blah, blah. What, what happens if you don't though? You got to protect yourself and reserve your resources, which includes your energy and your sanity. And, and a lot of people have seen my living room. And if we went downstairs, like it's, there are boxes everywhere. And at some point you have to, you, first of all, it's always going to be there. And when one door closes, eight others open. And like, you can't, it's not your only feast. Like 
this might only be a blip in my memory in 20 years. Remember when you started and this was like, you got to do what you got to do to protect, to reserve and to sustain. And a part of that sometimes is saying no. There's a great book called Essentialism. I want to say it's Gregory something or maybe it's Gregory something. I'm not sure. It's somewhere in this room right here. Uh, but it's all about the ability of delegating and the ability of saying no and how saying no is actually more helpful than harmful. But so many people have this negative connotation that you don't want to say no. You don't want to stop. You don't want to change the status quo. And that's what you have to do sometimes. And it's actually for the best of everybody. But yeah, I'm, I like saying no sometimes, even though it looks like I, all I do is say yes. <laughs> Yes. No, because that's the what we see publicly when we see anyone successful in anything is what they did do. And we'll never mm -hmm. get to see what they didn't do. But yes. oftentimes that's why they're successful. Yeah. I have two little, two, it's a great book, even not even just for our industry, just a great life book. But yeah. I have two little thoughts. One is it takes several years to become an overnight success. Like mm -hmm. I tell myself that all the time. And I tell other people that like we always, you see these people blow up and it's, oh my God, if only, and it's, it will, it just, keep going, literally just keep going. And then the other thing is every time I feel like I've let myself down, or this is the worst thing in the whole world, I think to myself, Stephen King has already failed more times than I have even tried. So I need to get my ass back up and keep going because if he can fail that many times, I can fail more. That is my goal. I want to fail more times than him. <laughs> that, that is an amazing goal. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I, it's so funny because we were just having a conversation this week in the Facebook group about failure. And I was like, there's a beauty to giving one yourself the permission to fail and two, being able to fail, fail quickly, being yeah. able to realize, hey, I'm going to try something new. You created 2000 products in your store. I mean, that that deserves a restatement. 2000. Yeah. My husband hates it. You have a shopping problem. <laughs> But yeah, we should fall in love with failing because when you fail, there's so much positive that comes from it. I've done a lot of shadow work. I absolutely love looking into all that darkness and analyzing it and finding the greats in it. But when you fail, there are like psychologically, socially, emotionally, there are so many positives that come from it. So much growth and learning experience and you have to fail to get there. You have to fail to, to feel it and to be in it and to realize it so many times. So failing isn't a bad thing. Failing, it's, we should fall in love with failing. We should fall in love with failing. That, yeah. that, that would be a good title. That would be a good self-help title. <laughs> that, is, yeah. that is another favorite pastime of mine too, figuring out what would be a good title. <laughs> <laughs> that that is very it's very useful for book titles product titles anything mm -hmm. i could see that on a t-shirt but now i i do want to ask with all of this going on obviously writing is the most important thing correct as yeah. how are you able to be ceo willow winters and author willow yeah. winters on the same day my readers can tell you my writing has slowed dramatically which sucks but it's because of this growth and because i haven't been able to delegate and let go as quickly as i would like to i have had multiple explosions i've also had a child and he is a little nice. demon so <laughs> he's an adorable little demon but yeah so my writing has definitely slowed down and that's one thing my team again that was something we felt like we failed at this past summer it was supposed to be my summer of smut i had so many things that i wanted to write and instead i do have one i actually made it into a novel paranormal i thought it was just going to be a novella and i'm almost done my second novella it's at 45 so it's actually almost a novel but it won't hit it, it won't hit it but it's just smutty paranormal and that's what i wanted to focus. I had so many ideas for the summer and so many plans. And my 
team keeps saying the best thing is for you to write and we're going to get there, we're going to get there. But then we have hiccups with the warehouse and then the shop kept growing and we bring on new people and we need more training. But my shop manager can't train because it all can't be done at her. It was in her basement and now it's in her basement and dining room and living room also. I had to step in and take care of this baby while I'm waiting to hand it off to the warehouse space and delegating as I should. So hiccups have definitely prevented me from going back to my writing. But every time I travel, I write or I'm inspired to write. Like when we went to London and I couldn't sleep and my husband was passed out. I slept on the plane. He can't sleep on planes. He is passed out and snoring. And I got hit for an inspiration for this Hades and Persephone that I'm writing. So I'm just typing in the middle of the night. And every time I'm on a plane, I bring my laptop just in case because I really enjoy writing on planes. And if I don't, that's fine. I don't have the pressure on me right now because the one book that's on pre-order is done and I didn't make any others because things were exploding so quickly. So I don't have the pressure to, but the fact that I still want to and that the moment I'm free of other responsibilities, my first instinct with quiet time is to jot out this thought real quick. So I'm, as long as I hold on to it and we're making strides so that I will have the time for it, I'm keeping that as a win. I'm definitely keeping that as a wing. And not only that, but financially, because I do need the money coming in. And in the indie world, I think we often think of ourselves as athletes where you need to be playing, you need to be making that money and you do get burnout. And a lot of people to the left and right of you aren't there in a few years. But because of the growth and because of how I've really stuck to my branding and the love of books, my back catalog is flourishing. Like it is definitely my best year financially. And we've more than doubled over the last three years consistently without having to push out new releases. So I think that's another thing that I hold on to is you've, I've written 60 books. They're only short novels. They're like 55K novellas and some co-writtens, like 12 of them are co-written, but I've written 60 books. I should be able to sustain that and hold on to writing as my passion and my love, which I'm there. So I'm like, it's a win. Did I write as much as I want to write? No. And I always feel far more victorious when I write a chapter compared to sending out a hundred boxes. Writing is, it's still my lifeline. So I'm happy. I just still have the passion. Keeping that passion there, keeping it fun. Just yes, like you exactly. Fun. Hashtag goals. Your hashtag goals. I, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I love it. I now have to ask you this last question, which everyone's going to be curious, which is, where can we find you? I know you actually have an author tier. Uh, I, do. I know you have a lot of different things going on. So why don't you share I with us where we can find I had a TikTok just for authors and it got banned. I know. I'm like, people suck. Like I get reported all the time. But what did you report on my TikTok for author support? Or I'd, like, I have no idea. And if you don't appeal shit, it can go really bad. And I hadn't been on it in three months. Yeah. So I'm um, like, so I don't have my author TikTok anymore, which sucks. But I do have my author Patreon tier, which has access to a lot of things. So there is that for author insight and knowledge. And I'm also open, like if people send me emails or message me, that's cool. And I used to be very active in Facebook groups, but like I'm running a mile a minute right now and a little bit burned out. So hopefully once this all is delegated and fingers crossed, we move in to this warehouse in the next week, I will be more present and available for things of that nature and maybe get another TikTok author account going with some insight. I had some great insight on that account. But yeah, so if you're looking for the author insight right now, it's really just primarily on Patreon. But I don't bite if you have a question <laughs> and you want to ask, I will answer. And then for everything else, I'm on every platform there is, including OnlyFans, even, even though I think you might be disappointed if you go there. It's, it's not super exciting because they don't post a lot, but I'm there. Yeah. That's great to hear. And 
definitely really worth checking out Willow's site as well, which will be linked in the description because with, and, and you have the multiple sites you have for all for your book boxes and mm -hmm. it's really inspiring. This was an amazing conversation. Thank you so I much. I loved Willow, it too. I felt, I feel very fulfilled with it. I love it when I talk my, like my husband calls it my hippie dippy stuff. And I'm like, I love it when I get to talk it and people understand it. Yeah. We're with you. We're yes. With you. He's with me too. He just likes to make fun of me. That's a healthy amount of that is wonderful. It is. Too. It is. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. And that's it for this podcast with Willow Winters. Huge thank you to Willow for coming on. Just still in awe by everything she's accomplished. And really some people, when you get to meet them, you just go, wow, they're such a sweet, such a nice person. I've got that feeling with Willow. Me and Amelia wish nothing but the great success to Willow and are so excited that we got to learn from her and with her today. And I hope you all learned a lot too. We got more new episodes coming every week. We have a new episode, new interview, or a new solo episode. Depends on the vibe. That's going to be all about helping you start, grow, and succeed in subscriptions as an author. If you want to into future episodes, subscribe to us if you're on YouTube, if you're listening to it on a podcast player. Save this podcast. We have tons of amazing episodes that you can also go back and listen to. Almost everyone is packed with tons and tons of insights that it just, I hope you go back and start listening to. But if not, we got some amazing episodes coming up. We got an amazing episode with Ariel, all about fandom and how others can build their fandom. We have Pia, Pia Rabinari coming on. They are amazing. And they're finally coming on. Pia, it's been so long. Ah, so we have some great episodes coming up. See y'all soon. But in the meantime, don't forget, storytellers rule the world. Oh, 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 oh,